This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Hey, welcome to the art of charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is a show that we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. So make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here, as well as getting some killer free stuff by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, check out the toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction, such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, even relationship management and breakups. That stuff is all obviously extremely important to your success, so make sure you get a handle on that as well. We've also got our boot camps and our live training running every single week here in Hollywood, California. Details on that at theartofcharm.com, or just give us a call or even email me, Jordan H. at The Art of Charm, and I'll tell you exactly what you need to know to get started with that. I'm looking forward to meeting all you guys here at The Art of Charm. Today we're talking with my friend Susan Rowan. She's the author of How to Work a Room. It's an old-school classic and a really, really good indispensable book. Today we're going to talk about networking, of course, but we're actually going to give practical tips, not that whole put on a smile and a happy face type of stuff that you hear on a lot of networking advice shows or in articles. We're going to talk about how to start and maintain conversations, how to prepare for the events themselves, how to graciously exit a conversation and move on in a charming way, and what charm and chutzpah and manners matter, and of course define each of those things. And last but not least, how to follow up with people that you do meet at events and how to do so effectively and memorably. So enjoy this one with Susan Rowan. You're the author of a book called How to Work a Room. Pretty good title. I assume you got the jump on that early because that's a great title. It was very early. um, Having grown up in Chicago and heard that term as an old political term, Mm. but that book is now silver anniversary issue. So I got that early and... Thanks to the United States Patent and Trademark Office, I have that as my register mark. Oh, nice. So silver means what? How long? Silver is 20. You better remember this because someday you'll need to know. 25 years. That's a long time. And this is the fourth update. But this edition really had to expand our concept of rooms. But yes, how to work room. You know, I love it because I grew up with the term. And here I think, oh, good title for a book. Yeah, because the thing is, now now the room is a digital one, maybe. Yes. I mean, the room is still face-to-face, but I have this chapter that's called New Rooms to Work, the Social Media Melange, because I love alliteration. But it's, it is Twitter. It is LinkedIn. It is Instagram. It's Google+. So you really have to know, and I addressed it in the book, how to behave in each room, because really, each room is different. They have different regulations, different policies, unwritten laws and rules. Yeah, and the unwritten is what we primarily speak about here on the show as well. So today we're going to talk a lot about secrets of savvy networking, creating that process and and making that a practical process. Because I think a lot of people think, and I'm sure you get this all the time, oh, well, you know how to do that because you're so outgoing and I can't do that because 
I'm quiet or I'm introverted or I'm shy. And that's one of the primary, I get a lot of email like that. Like, oh, this is easy for you because you were born with it. Or this is easy for you because, you know, but I'm introverted. I spend all my days in a cubicle uh, programming. So I can't do this. I can't just turn this on. And we're going to learn some strategies to get around that. And you've, you've been all over the place media-wise. So I'm glad to have you as an addition to, Thank to you. the Art of Charm as well. And we're going to link to the book, of course, in the show notes as well. So don't worry about that. But why do you think after 25 years you've still got this book being printed and reprinted? I mean, what, what makes your book so special? And what, why is it important that the, why is the skill set so important that it hasn't, that it's only expanded instead of being lost like a lot of other forms of manners and behavior? I know. And this is what's so interesting. I go, I gave Harper the theme, needed now more than ever. It's one of those things, really, Jordan, we, every generation who comes into the workplace, who goes social life, we are walking into rooms, we're walking into interview rooms, we're walking into conferences, we're walking into meetings, we're walking into parties, mixers, networking events. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone says the number one fear is giving a speech. That's not true. Not everybody has to give a speech, but everybody walks into a new event, a fundraiser, a cousin's party where they don't know people. Sure. It's daunting. And the research on shyness, which was done right here in San Francisco and, you know, the Stanford Shyness Clinic. Sure. Over 90% of American adults self-identify as shy. And that can vary. You know, you could be shy with your family and be fine in business or vice versa. So the important thing to remember is not just how am I feeling? How about how are all those other people in the room feeling? Well, if we know 90% of the people are shy, it behooves us. And this is the number one tip I give in the book. Okay, all you listeners, write this down. Always act like the host. I learned that from Dr. Adele Sheely in uh, an article in Skills for Success. Make other people comfortable with you. So what does that mean to always act like the host? I mean, am I supposed to walk around handing out hors d'oeuvres? No, but we'd like you better yeah, if you I did. Think so, yeah. <laughs> no. What that means is, what do hosts do? Hosts greet people. They welcome them. They make them feel at home. Um, They'll find out a little bit about them. The other thing that hosts do is, even if they don't know someone, they'll say, oh, have you met so-and-so? So So they, I call them, I just watched the um, anniversary of Fiddler. I call them Yenta the Networkers. Okay. I know. You have to update it. Right. Hosts introduce you to other people, but hosts make you feel comfortable. Here's the other thing hosts do. When you're talking, instead of planning their grocery list or their next um, business in their head, serial entrepreneur, they're actually listening. listening. So people say to me, well, I didn't know what to say. I go, really? Why didn't you listen to what that person was saying? People tell us what they want to talk about. Their dog, the fact that they're playing lacrosse, their Scrabble game, their new car, their new job. If we listen, we know what to say next. And that's really important because we call this being in your head. If you're not listening, because you're going, hmm, okay, what am I going to say to make this person like me? What am I going to say to get this person to to do what I want? Or what am I going to do to relax a little bit more? And then you, before you know it, the person's staring at you going expectantly, and you're going, oh, man, I have no idea what, what they, they just, just said. said. We, I call that playing Dave Brubeck in your head. You know, it's like you're kind of in your head singing along mm-hmm. to someone else. 
Or here's the other thing. Let me plan what I'm going to do tomorrow, and you're not listening. Uh, The research on listening and conversation, Dr. Ralph Nichols did this years ago, an expert on listening, how it affects memory. If you want to remember who people are and what they've said, now get this for the most brilliant bit of complication. Listen to them when they talk. Yeah, but it is is easier said than done because if I'm – in a cocktail party or some networking event and I'm freaking out, it's hard to listen to what people are saying because I'm hyper processing what everybody's thinking about me, which is not which is nothing because they're self-absorbed. <laughs> no, here's the other I once went to an event and I wore the same dress like a year the same event and I said to one of my friends, I just can't believe this. I'm and I was so sure everyone would notice I'm right. wearing the, and the friend looked at me, she said are you kidding? These people don't even remember what they had for breakfast. Yeah. How are they going to remember what you wore a year ago? A year ago. ago, yeah, of course not. Half the people you met probably didn't even remember meeting you. Yes, and that <laughs> and that's another thing is people don't remember meeting us, so we want to be memorable. Right? But can I give a couple of tips Please for people? Do. Yeah, yeah. This because... is from How to Work a Room, and this is what I've told. I mean, I've had CEO audiences, business audiences. First of all, before you go anywhere. Now these days, you can go online and look and see who might be there, Mm -hmm. at least the generic. Do your homework. Look and see who might be there. Think always, what do I have in common with them? I go to a family event, you know, and we are different people. When we're with great Aunt Bess, we might ask her how the doilies are doing on her couch. Right. But don't ask me that. But (laughs) you can ask great Aunt Bess that. It would be very different if you're invited to something at a colleague's um colleague might be supporting a, a charity and you're invited to the event that supports it. So do your homework. Second thing is between Facebook and LinkedIn, you should have an idea about the people who are there. All yeah. you have to do is check. You know what? It's on taking off on that, uh, my assistant Alara, who you met via email, I believe, one of the things I have her do, which I'm sure she hates, is if I'm on my way to an event, I'll have her look up who's there or if I already know, I'll send her a list and I say, go on Google, get me an image of these people if I don't already know what they look like. Then get me their bio from LinkedIn or from better from their own website because then it's the way they want it to look and they might have a quote in there and blah, blah, blah. And then also a little bit of LinkedIn, where they went to school, what industry they're in, if they worked for a company that I might know of, something like that. And then just she puts it in this little dossier that gets emailed to my phone by her, of course. And then I can, on the plane, in the car, or even in the bathroom, which I've done before, I can go, all right, I'm about to meet this person. Okay, that's that guy. I saw him when I was walking in. Oh, he went to Michigan. Or, oh, he's also a lawyer, but he doesn't practice anymore. We have that in common. So I can walk up and say, hey, John, I know you don't know me. Introduce myself and say, you know, I heard you used to, I heard you're a recovering lawyer as well. (laughs) And then, you know, instead of, here's what I want from you. Oh, my gosh. You know, I have such problems with the people that come in to any room with an agenda. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? It's as if someone puts it on your forehead. When you have an agenda, you behave, as far as I'm concerned, in an uncharming way. Definitely. You're better off to say, this is my focus for today. I'm going to meet these amount of people. I'm going to make sure... I'm going to make sure that people know who I am, that I have conversations, that I introduce people. But I'd like to give everyone really the bottom line, which should be your number one purpose at any event. Go everywhere to have a good time. If you have the intention of having a good time, 
the room will work you. People want to be with the person that's smiling, having laughing, fun. Yeah. having fun. Who goes over to the sour puss and said, now that's yeah, a difficult me. person I want to meet. Right. I need more pain in the butt <laughs> yeah. in my life. How about that guy? You know, it's interesting. Also, what you said with the agenda, and we call this outcome independence if you don't have one. But it's it's funny because you can tell who these people are. You go to a tech meetup or something here in the city, especially, and people are ignoring you or they're, you know, talking down to you. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then they go, someone will go, oh, I see you've met Jordan already. He runs this company or this show that gets this many downloads. And then they go, oh, yeah, we're just chatting. And then they're all chummy. And you go, wait a minute, you didn't give a crap before, and now you're all chummy because you found out that I can give you some sort of value. Now I really don't like you. Yes. Because and now I know you're fake. Yes. And, you know, so let me play this. And, you know, and you know this because you and I talked about this. In How to Work a Room, when I wrote it 25 years ago, I wrote a chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, called Charm and Chutzpah, the Dynamic Duo. Mm-hmm. Because Chutzpah, I thought of, it's not about being brazen, it's about having courage. Sure. And it's, you have to have charm and you have to have courage. But it is not charming when, and there's a lot of people who talk about networking. You've got to identify the person and go, oh, BS. That's rude because this is all about socializing. Mm-hmm. This is about mixing, mingling, meeting, conversing, socializing. Yeah, have a focus. But when you have you're addicted to outcomes. Yes, exactly. Outcome dependence. Now, here's the other thing that happens. And this is with homage to my grandmother mm-hmm. and to many people of that generation who used to say, I used to say, really, why should I do this? You never know. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know who I am. I just did a talk here Thursday for a group of very elite, wonderful people. And I said, you know that whole ounce of BS of, you can judge people in four seconds. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. You might be able to tell, oh, I don't like her hairstyle. Oh, I don't like her nail polish cover. Mm-hmm. don't like her giggle. You have not a clue of who I know, who I'm related to, who's in my network. Right, you never know. You never know. So how about this? Okay, all of our listeners, I know this is going to sound so scientific. Be nice to everyone. Absolutely. Not because you never know. A, you should be, but B, you never know. But when you find out someone is of a certain importance and then you kind of circle back and act like you're chummy, yeah. you are going to annoy them. It is because I'd much rather have somebody be an asshole to everybody and then go, well, that's who he is. I don't like him, but that's the way he is. Then somebody who's a jerk to everybody and then turns around and is nice to me because he wants something. It's honestly the disingenuity of that, if that's a real word. Disingenuousness. Is, yes, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's is, disgusting. Is really, it is really, it is actually repulsive. And uh, so I'd, I would really appreciate it if people were, if you're going to be rude to me off the bat, that's fine as long as I'm getting the same treatment as everybody else. It's the Don Rickles of tre- treatment. He made fun of everyone. Mm-hmm. He, but it, it was equal. Yes. But when you start doing that, I had that happen when How to Work Room came out. Uh, USA Today sent me to this big party in New York given by a well-known artist who didn't know who I was. So I'm like, well, Joanne Woodward was there and Jane Curtin from Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, really, who's she? Until they walked in, the photographer walked in and started taking three rolls of film of me 
A, right. working the room and dissecting what other people were doing. Oh, couldn't have been nicer. Right. And I said the same thing because in the debriefing that actually went into the article, I said a few things about this well-known host who didn't know who I was, so he assumed I was nobody. Right. Ignored you and probably, yeah, who knows, talked down to you, whatever. And then suddenly, oh, I love your book. It's so wonderful. I obviously didn't listen to a word you wrote because I'm being a jerk. Yes, exactly. By the way, I'm glad you said that because you can listen to it because the other thing I did is I went into the studio. I did audio version? And I did for three days I went into the studio. It's exhausting, right? It is exhausting, but I've done that throughout the whole time for all of the books is I go in the studio. Who's going to tell my stories? Who knows my book better than I do? Because here's the amazing part. Mm. People, I actually wrote them myself. And I'm a former school teacher, so I actually corrected the punctuation and oh the grammar. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. Much to the chagrin of your editor and publisher, I'm sure. Well, no, actually, they love it. So here's my hint for anyone listening who wants to write a book. Make sure you have that all done because the least work you give to the editor, the happier they are. That makes sense. I mean, that's kind of the same with every human anywhere, right? I mean, nobody wants. The only people who want more work for them are lawyers and doctors. And that's why you are a recovering. Right, recovering lawyer. Exactly. Well, what about starting conversations? A lot of people, this is where amateurs, and a lot of people who've been listening to my show, they already know that this is the least important part of the conversation, but it can be where most people get stuck. What's, what's the deal with starting a conversation in terms of do I have to have something funny to say? Because a lot of times people go, oh, you know, I envy the way you just walk up there and just introduce yourself. I can't do that. I need some sort of in. But what what's the other way to start a conversation? Do you have to be clever? Do you have to be funny? What's the deal? Well, here's the other thing I can tell you. If you wait for the brilliant, clever thing to come to your mind, by the time it does, the person's at the other side of the room and right. you blew it. You're, here's what the research shows, that the number one best opening is a, now write this down, this is big, guy. all of you listening, is a big smile eye contact, a handshake, mm-hmm. and these two words, hi or hello. Now, we can modernize it because that research was done a while ago, and it might just be, hey, yeah. nice to see you. I don't think what's up is yeah, definitely. No, that's it's not, not that was guy. what was on my mind, so yeah, I'm glad not we debunked do, that. But you know what? Say something. They always say that if you smile at someone, they're going to smile back. People do. 90% of the people do what we teach them. So if you put your hand out and say hello, Here's my tip. Say your first name and your last name. 90% of the people will do what you do. Now, for people that said, oh, I saw that person before and I can't remember their name. I learned this from someone who'd been in a session that I did. Um, it was in El Paso, as I remember it. He said to me, Susan, you've got to tell this to people. Because I hadn't even written the book yet. Um, he was a um, in the front office for the Harlem Globetrotters. He said, Every time you go somewhere, put out your hand and say your name. He said, if you're struggling with their name because you can't retrieve it, trust me, they don't remember you either. But if you say your name, 90% of the people will say their name back. Sure. No one's struggling. So our whole thing is be nice in a room, be social in the room, make it easy. How do you start a conversation? Well, my idea is this. Say something, impromptu conversation, notice a tie, a pin, a scarf, 
say something. At the places where they serve food, this is the special Roanne hint. Start at the dessert table. Because anyone that's contemplating a gooey Napoleon or a fattening little piece of cheesecake Mm -hmm. is easier to talk to. I was going to say fat people are nicer. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that. No, 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 no. Because people have fun with desserts and they're more talkative. And I don't mean, and I hope I don't upset the vegetarians, but my line is never had a great conversation at the cut up vegetable table. Yeah. Well, people go to the broccoli and move on. Yes, yeah. exact. And in here nowadays, they call it broccolini. And really, you got to give it a fancy name that I can't hardly say. Uh, no, th- I mean, it's funny. We had somebody on the show earlier, and he goes, don't eat when you think you're hungry. Eat when you think you're hungry enough to eat broccoli, because that means you're actually hungry. That's interesting. Now, I'm glad you said that. When you go to an event, even if they have food, okay, mother is in the room right now. My mother channeling her. She always did this when it was time to go to an event or a party or a wedding. She would give my father a sandwich at 4 o'clock. So by the time that formal sit-down dinner was served, he wasn't stark raving mad hungry. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Eat before you go. And if it's a business event, uh, someone told me this when I spoke in Hawaii, don't go there for the food. Eat something to cut your hunger. Mm. If you're going to eat, well, I made the word nash kind of a yeah. open word. If you're going to do that, do that before you start working the room. Eat your little bit of whatever. Fix your tie, fix your lipstick, wash your hands, mm-hmm. and then you work the room. But eat before you go. Don't go anywhere hungry. That's a great idea because I've definitely gone to dinners where once the food comes, no one could possibly talk to me because I'm inhaling everything that's put in front of me. Also, I'm the guy who's like, oh, yoink, I'm taking that. I want more of that. And pe- I can, I don't know if people are. I assume they are. They're going, damn, that kid can put it away. Not a good reputation <laughs> to have. But you're right. Let's get back to the show. But you know, you're right because that's a very funny thing because when I do my mm-hmm. holiday do's and don't tips, it's not that it's just networking. It's really how do you work a room and yeah. be social? You don't overfill your plate because guess what? You go to that company picnic, barbecue, mm-hmm. holiday party, wedding. If your plate is full, people are going, well, did he or she eat all of my favorite food and there's nothing left right. for me? So people notice. And the second part, and I know some people are going to be so stressed out when I say this, especially if this has any business implications, an open bar really means the drinks are free because if you misbehave, you'll pay for it. Yeah, there you go. I've done that. I've made that mistake before. Free booze, my buddy's wedding. He was like, you were fine. And all my friends are like, you were fine. But the thing is, if you have to ask, you weren't fine. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if you have to get a multitude of other opinions <laughs> to make sure that you were fine, you weren't fine. And, you know, it's, it's funny also eating beforehand and then going to the bathroom, washing your hands, maybe washing your mouth out with some water because I've definitely, and we've all done this, you're sitting there talking to somebody, and in slow motion, a little piece of something ejects <laughs> out of your teeth and lands somewhere near the other person. And all you can think about for the rest of the conversation is, did they notice that happened and they're just being polite? Because I know that the person next to me looking at me from the side noticed because they started laughing or they're looking down into their glass or they turn around and walk away. You know they saw it. Well, here's what I've done that I've just... And you know what? When we make a mistake at any juncture in life, not just even in a room when we're mixing, mingling, and socializing, 
own it and say, I'm sorry, because otherwise there's an elephant in the room. Right. What I've done is I said, oh, I certainly didn't mean to spit at you. That was so. Yeah. And then that takes the onus off because you've noticed it and then you don't worry. So that's kind of the way of acknowledging things as if and it, sometimes we have to make an apology. Jordan, I talk with my hands. I'm sitting sure. here with you. I'm talking with my hands. So I've done this where I've knocked, knocked over, over a glass of red wine. Ooh. So if you don't say something, acknowledge, take and make that elephant go out of that room, then everyone's uncomfortable. Yeah. Speaking of uncomfortable, I've in the past several years ago, I've been that guy. And sometimes I still end up that guy where I get stuck in a conversation you know, I'm the guy who go, oh, this person's being quiet. They might be shy. I'm going to start talking to them. And then they latch on to you like a face hugger from the movie Alien. And now I'm talking to that person forever, and I'm going, why am I still talking to this dreadfully boring person? How do I eject from a conversation in a polite way at a networking event for business where I might have to deal with them again? How do I do that in a way that's not really just rude or... Because it's tough. You know, you think, oh, they want to keep talking, but I'm so bored. I just can't deal. And you're foregoing other opportunities if you're at a business. Well, I think that's the thing. First of all, two things. Everybody has an interesting story when we hit on it. So sometimes that person who's quiet and in toward has Mm -hmm. a fascinating story. I agree with that. That I think that's what. Now, the other part of it is we all, and I've said this, I think I might even have put this in the book. We all want the James Bond little thing that he has on the car where you push the button and you eject people out of the car, but we'd like to do that out of the conversation. Right. I call that having the gracious exits because all of us are raised, don't make people feel rejected. So we stay too long. Um, There are three exits. Let me focus on one. When you've had a great conversation and you know it's time to end, first of all, observe people. If they are already like tapping their toe, you already know they're impatient. They don't know how to get out of the conversation, but if you show you're observing and that you're honoring that, they'll never forget you because you've relieved them. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you, and this is it, okay, listen carefully, you interrupt yourself, not them. Oh, that's good. You put out your hand because the handshake is the beginning of the hello, but it's also the, hey, so nice to have met you. Put out your hand, but you don't lean in. You just stand a little bit more, you know, straight. It's so nice talking to you about a nice big smile on your face. And then you summarize something you talked about. Oh, it was so nice to talk to you about the rise of uh, tickets at the ball game and how much ballpark francs are now costing. Yeah, that must have been a fascinating conversation. Well, actually, I walked in somewhere and I I wrote my brother because I went to a Giants game one day. I said, I'm going to a Giants game by myself. I guess I must want to pay like $6.50 for a hot dog. Sure. Okay, so you could summarize that. But if you take the five seconds to summarize something that you talked about, they know you were listening. Right, yeah. And would you, do you have a card? Um, they don't ask you for for yours, so here's what we do. We always add in the charming person, always add in the extra words of good manners. May I offer you one of mine? Now, I asked one guy if he had a card. This was years ago. We're still really dear friends. And he looked at me and he said, yes. <laughs> okay. I, years later, I said to him, why didn't you just give me a card? And he said, you hadn't asked for one. 
folks, don't play dumb card yeah. games. Give the person a card. If you don't have them, you don't have them. And a lot of the techies like to bump their phones together. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, it doesn't work half the time, and then you gotta you got to remember their name to search for them. No thanks. That's, in fact... That's a great point. I didn't even think about that until right now. You, yeah, you've got to remember them. So here's the thing. If you're bumping phones... You might get lost in the shuffle because now you're entry number 485 in my phone book. And what was your name again? Was it John or was it Jason, Jack, or are you another Jordan? I met 58 people that night or 15 or even five. And the fact that you're a digital V card or whatever they're called in my phone, no thanks. What I'm doing is I'm going through the cards in my wallet where I keep my money and cards that I, from people that I meet. And I go, oh, yeah, that's right. That was Edward from that event. I'm going to email him tomorrow, and then I've got the thing there. Yes, I might throw away your card, because that's the logical man's thing is, well, people just throw those away anyway. Well, yeah, after they email you, and that's how you get business. Well, and I'm going to say on the other thing, don't throw it away so fast. Make sure you write that little, we call it the mnemonic device, so you remember what you said. By the way, if you get someone's card and they've said something funny, brilliant, interesting, a great factoid, what you can say to them is, that is great. That's funny. That's fine. Do you mind if I write this on your card? Who's going to say, yeah, I, I mind if you write that I'm brilliant, funny. Yeah, so, right. But it'll help you. And the whole thing is help you remember who people are. We're meeting 10 times as many people as our grandparents Sure, met. sure. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I had one guy on an airplane uh, say to me, in all honesty, um, after I enter this, I'm going to throw your card in the garbage. How about this? Don't be that honest. Wow, that's a bit much, right? A little more. Filter. You know, sometimes people have said to me, oh, and this will be something that, in terms of charm, I have someone I know who said, I tell it like it is. And I wrote this article years ago. Here's my advice. Don't. (laughs) Think before you talk. Think Mm -hmm. about how is that going to make the other person feel and be received, accepted, act upon just because you think it. It's only your opinion. It's not a fact. That's true. That is very true. And I am guilty of that sometimes as well. But I don't tell people I'm going to chuck their card in the garbage. Yeah, it's like, I really? That's not nice at all. Those things make great bookmarks, by the way. Business cards. Other people's business cards. Bookmark. So there you go. You can keep it around for a long time. Uh, now, what about at the, after the event? Okay, so we're... Interrupting ourselves, right, to get We're out interrupting of ourselves. Yeah. And now let me give you the, in working a room, what we do, and I say working a room, but one of my friends said, yeah, you gave the book the wrong title. It should be called How to Make Nice in a Room. What you do is you then, after you've had this exchange, you don't just turn your back on people because guess what? That means you're turning your back on people. Mm-hmm. You walk a quarter of the room away to another group or a person standing alone who would welcome your conversation? You don't say, and I've had people, I don't know who they are, but I have to correct them. You don't say, I have to go to the toilet. Really? That's information that is not anybody's business. <laughs> you go over to a group that's already in, in progress or go up to someone standing alone. And if you have to go to the bathroom, don't make a public announcement. <laughs> I think that's probably something that's been lost on my generation because I feel like that's my favorite escape. And the and the favorite escape of women in bars everywhere. We have to go to the bathroom now. And together. Yes. Really? We both you, have to go at the same time. I. It's the nose powdering syndrome. Right. Nobody even cares powder anymore, so I don't right. even understand that. 
but everybody still pees. That's that's one thing that never changes, and that's why they do it. You know, it's funny you say interrupt yourself because that's actually I, I can't remember where I came up with this. Must have been in college, but I think it was I, I dated some girls that just talked a lot. You know, like myself actually, and I would always if I wanted to sort of like hang up the phone, and they wouldn't let me off the phone. And I'd done this in business conversations too, where I'm just being something is getting dragged out. I will hang up in the middle of my own sentence instead of one of theirs because then they know, or well, they know in air quotes that it was an accident. Because if it's if you hang up in one of theirs, they're going, did he just hang up on me? But if you hang uh, up in one of your own sentences, looks totally like an accident. No, I think that's true. And it's I, really a, not a nice thing to do, by the way. And you know, there is something that needs to be said here, and I'm glad you said that. You're a conversationalist. You know, it's not about who talks a lot, who doesn't talk a lot. I love people that talk. And we need to stop saying, he, oh, he talks too much, she talks too much. We do that a lot to women. Nothing is more off-putting than a guy that wants you to be quiet so he can have the stage right. the that, whole time. That's a little bit, yeah, that's a little bit weird. I, I don't know how, I mean, I guess there still probably are people like that in relationships that don't want their girlfriends and wives to speak. But I haven't met anybody like that in a long time. I, and that's, that's off-putting even just to be around it. Yeah. I, you know, I want interesting people. I've said to someone, I don't play board games because they actually bore me. What's to me interesting are smart people that have interesting um, hobbies that think, that read, that laugh, who can tell a story. And by the way, one of the things I would say, there's nothing more charming in a conversation that someone who can tell a story of something that happened, you know, everyone has something in common. We all, we have parents, you know, we went to school, we have parking problems, we've had traffic. People relate to our stories. They don't really much care for our facts and figures. Yeah, that, that actually makes sense because you're relating to people emotionally, right? And that's really, that's the key. You know, people like stories. In fact, I think I said this to you. My grandfather was a big storyteller, but he didn't think any of his grandchildren, I think, were that smart that we'd get the punchlines. So he would always laugh to show us where the punchlines were. I find I do the same thing. I make sure I smile so that I'm cueing people. By the way, I meant this to be funny. But when we tell stories, they can be so charming and we relate to them. It's not about jokes, Jordan. Most of them we heard the night before from Jimmy or John right. or, or yeah. you know, Jay or Stephen. Now, what about following up after we meet people? We sort of touched on the business card thing as well. Do we do we email? Do we text people? Do we write them of you know with calligraphy? I, I don't understand the modern etiquette for us tech types is email them generally, but it, sometimes I'll send people a text. I guess it just kind of depends, but I know that that's not always the best idea and that it can be generational. Okay, it is generational, but here's what I love. Today I got an actual beautifully, and in fact it was so beautifully written, written thank you note from a young colleague who met me at my national speakers convention last week. Oh my gosh, do you know what I do with handwritten thank you notes? I save them. Sure. And it was like, whoa, this is this young guy. Someone's mother did a good job. So first thing you do, and for tech types too, not everybody has a cell phone number on their card. and text, That's true. And that's number one. Your best bet, send a quick email 
enjoyed meeting you at glad we talked about whatever let's have get together for continue the conversation someone could just hit reply and then you're in a conversation um, if you want to follow it up with a note a couple days later follow it up with a note but the other thing I noticed people are doing is they meet you they want to get connected they invite you to LinkedIn and I've seen that happen a lot but I also would like to know a little something about people before I access them into the network that I've built such a good reputation. Just because I met you somewhere, I want to know you're, you're worthy. Right, because the thing is, especially if somebody adds me on, say, Facebook, and they're friends with people that I go, Ugh, they're, are they friends with this person? or do they?" And then you got that weird thing where they want to, maybe they want to get together for dinner and you go, yeah, sure. Um, let's see what this week is like. By the way, how do you know so and so? And then you hope that they come back with, actually, I don't. Somebody suggested we'd be friends, and now we're connected. And then, of course, you occasionally get, oh, we're just we're buddies, and we met at this thing. And you go, oh, he is such a you know jerk, and I don't want to be associated with anybody that knows him. Uh, so, but you don't say that. But you don't say that. So you go, I'm really busy. But you know, you 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 do the sort of the fade out but it's true because a lot of times people go how are, how are you friends with this guy and i go i don't know and they go you know he's racist and i go geez i didn't know that i mean yeah how we would i know be, that and you don't want to be associated for someone that has such dramatically different values that people would judge you by that right. there's a woman i know that keeps on inviting me to facebook and to linkedin and i actually bumped into her at an event in marin well shouldn't we have a I already know she's in one of my books as the star of a of a story of someone who is a bad, horrible networker. Oh, no. Really, I'm going to expose my network to. Yeah. So sometimes, just no, thank you. Yeah, and then let them steam about that as they will, right? Yeah, you don't you don't have to say yes. Enjoy the rest of the show. One of the things that we had talked about before the show as well is how to create your own luck. And a lot of people will say things to, and I don't get this as much anymore, I think, because people who listen to the show understand this intuitively. But people say things like, oh, you're lucky you live in San Francisco, or you're lucky you live in L.A., or you're lucky you lived in New York, and you know all these people, and you must run into these people everywhere that's so fortunate. But really, it's not, because I know people that go to more events than I do that know fewer people, and I certainly know people that don't live and, and don't have the same opportunities as I do here that know more people. Right. So it, when I wrote How to Create Your Own Luck, that wasn't really the title. The title was You Never Know How mm -hmm. to Turn Serendipity into Success. But uh, Wiley wanted to call it a derivative title. But it, I really did study what were the eight traits that people who seem to create, I call it the Rumpelstiltskin effect. The, they spun straw into gold. And you know what the number one trait they had in common? Not everyone had each of these eight traits, but they were counterintuitive. Is the people who made things happen, they actually talked to strangers, which right. is one of the themes of how to work a room. I was just on the Monterey Peninsula. If it weren't for strangers telling me to go to the Julia Pfeiffer Burns historic you know, state park, I would have missed this amazing thing. Talk to strangers. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the other part is, Help strangers. When you're in a city, you see someone with a map, go over and talk to them. So the whole thing is people who created their own luck actually talk to strangers. Yeah, that makes it makes a lot of sense because uh, that's the way that you exponentially increase your network. Without, you never know. Right, of course. 
What else? I mean, sure, a lot of people make a lot of connections. What happens? What's what's next? I mean, some people break connections too. Okay. The other th the other trait of people who created their own luck is they didn't burn bridges. Ah. Okay. Uh, that and they know it because uh, sometimes we get in the huff. I'll tell that person. I'll send them an email, and I'm begging you, please don't hit send until you reread those emails written in a passionate, annoyed moment. Enough times to decide what is going to be the downside of hitting send. Right, it's it's that Dale Carnegie story where he says, I think it was Mark Twain, where he said he, he met somebody in this thing, this, there was all this, I don't know, drama between him and somebody else, and as the years went by, he really regretted sending him this letter, and, da -da 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 -da, and he mentioned it to his wife or something like that. It might not have been him. It could have been a president or something. And she goes, oh, don't worry. It's in your top drawer. I never let you send it. I never mailed it. Oh, see. And maybe that's what we need to do is have a friend that... <laughs> I ha actually had this happen. Someone did something that cost me, you know, time and money and whatever, and I wrote the most accurate email. But before I did it, I sent it to my best friend, Lana Teplick, and I said, could you please read this? She called me immediately, and she said, that is a very well-written, to-the-point email. And I was so proud of myself. Right. And then she said... But if you send it, know that you'll never be friends with her again. Right, it can't happen. Right. I never sent it, but now here's the other part. Three weeks later, I found the friend that I didn't send this very well-written email to scolding her uh, was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, so she had her stuff going on. And she didn't even know at the time, but what I learned is, thank goodness, I would... It would have arrived right on time, huh? Oh, yes, and so I thought to myself... You know what? Knowing what I found out later, having someone who read that and could say, here's the cost to you. You'll lose the friend. Right. Yikes. Who, by the way, didn't, I didn't lose to cancer, but I sat at three different times while she was having chemo with her for the hours she was having chemo. And by the way, that's the other thing of charm is let's, while we're working rooms, let's try to meet the people that we want as our friends for life. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Absolutely. And so don't burn bridges. And I, I, I and think that's Let me that's, give you one more hint. Please do, yeah. Uh, one more hint I found, and this is a great story. I won't go into it, but the one thing that I think is important is that the people who created their own luck, when they wanted to say, no, I'm too busy, I can't, my plate is full, blah, 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 something compelled them to say yes. And because of that, they were in a situation, in a room, in a wherever an event and because they were there their antenna were up and there was that one person they were supposed to meet that serendipitous meeting opportunity possibility so if you're in that place and you say yes when you want to say no at least you're not sitting by yourself in a cubicle and no matter what anyone says a thousand opportunities can come across your computer but there's nothing quite like meeting that person face-to-face. -face. That's absolutely true. That is very, very true. And it's funny because I've, I've met so many people that have done business-slash-life-changing things, and often it's because I'm like, I'll take the call with this guy. I don't know him. I don't really have time, and he asked for it, or somebody else thought we'd be a good fit, and blah, blah, blah. And I remember taking one call in particular, and the guy wanted to talk on Skype video, and I thought, oh, this is going to be so annoying. 
I did the call and he was really nice and we ended up becoming buddies and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, this guy's cool. And he introduced me to one or two people and I was like, this guy's great, you know, at making introductions. I really like him. Well, fast forward a couple months and he's like, hey, I'm having an event uh, and I couldn't make it, unfortunately. But it turns out it's one of the most coveted events around and you can't get a ticket. It's not open to the public. Even people who are on his special only invite list, it costs like six grand just to get in. It's a weekend. And I'll tell you what it is after the show because he even told me like, don't, you know, don't say anything on your show about it if you if you get a chance. And I thought, yeah, okay, fine. Right. But it was this really big deal. of it, And I'm like, who is this guy that I'm buddies with? And everybody I told about after that was like, oh, you're friends with him. That must be really cool. And I thought, well, I, I mean, he's nice, but I didn't know that he was he's the guy. You know, he's the guy. And maybe what you just said is something to remember. We never know who the guy or gal is. Right. And so while we're in a room and we're looking at someone going, well, they're not dressed that cool. They got this. They got that. You never know yeah. who owns 75% of that company right. who started it. You know, and by the way, there might be the person in the seersucker suit. And you go, well, they were a seersucker. They don't have to dress for success. They already are one. Or don't discount that older woman who looks like she's 80 because that might be her son or daughter that's right. running. So I love that story because you were just being nice to someone. That's the theme of the movie. If any of you would like to look at it on Netflix, wonderful Kevin Spacey and Danny DeVito, The Big Kahuna. They're in a um, hotel at a hospitality suite, and they're waiting for the big kahuna because if they can get his business, it's going to change everything. Mm -hmm. They send the little scientist to the, you know, the, the uh, exhibit hall. Did you come back with it? Who'd you talk to? Oh, I talked to this nice man. His dog died. We sent you. You're the scientist that read it. We wanted you to meet the big kahuna. Well, this guy's dog died, and we were talking. And my well, give who? What's his card? And they go through the whole spiel. It was the big kahuna. Right, it's the guy, yeah. It's the guy who, because he's not just the big kahuna, he was a dog owner and lover who lost his dog. And this nice young scientist man was the young man that paid attention to him and listened to the story. Right. So right, you never true. know. That's Am true. I sounding like everyone's favorite grandma? Grandma, yeah, exactly. Well, another thing that you recommend, and this is coincidentally, I think how we actually met was create opportunities for others and recommend refer people to others. John. Yeah. And he's really good at that. I mean, John that's Corcoran. his bag. Yeah, John Corcoran's bag is introduce people. To pe and he's and it's funny because it's not just hodgepodge introduce Jordan to everybody that I know or it, people. It's always a good fit. Even and sometimes when it's not, he goes, "Listen, this guy not probably a great fit, but you might like him just as a person." Or I'm give I'm throwing this out there. He might not be a good fit, but you know your business better than anyone else. And he's, you know, kind of doing the double opt-in thing where if I say, sure, introduce me, he will. And then if I go, you know, it doesn't sound like a total fit, I agree with you. Then he goes, cool, I just thought I'd, you know, offer it up. And that's he's great. Straight. He's really good at that. And we did a show with him, and it was very popular, actually. And, um, of course, he referred me to you. Like I'm, He's like a networking matchmaker. Well, and that did I just say that there's yeah, that chapter there's... networker networker make me match. In fact, I just sent a tweet today that about the savvy networkers introduce e introduce people, mm -hmm. and both and I mentioned John put in his handle and Dory Clark. Both of them are great at doing that. I've always done that. 
before we had e-intros, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to meet so-and-so. I, there's a, a group of people that won't step up to the plate and introduce people. They won't recommend restaurants, whatever. Well, what if you didn't like it? What if the chef has an off night? Mm-hmm. Well, everyone understands the off night, but why would you keep your favorite restaurant or your favorite mechanic or your favorite barber a secret? The right. whole thing is... This is about supporting everybody and what they do. And really, yes, someone might not be the right fit, so you don't introduce them, but you never know. So you give the person the option. I, John's great at that, and I, I, and I love it. And I've always done e-intros e- e- since we started doing them, but I had someone that recently went directly to a person saying, Susan wanted me to meet you. But the person wrote me and he said, I just know that if you really wanted me to meet him, you would have made an introduction. Oh, interesting. And so, okay, folks, why I wrote Secrets of Savvy Networking was for all the mistakes that, because it was an uncodified set of rules that people make. That's not savvy. That's schmoey. That's really funny. Yeah. If she really wanted me to meet if she would have done it. That's interesting. What about people who are shy? Where do they even begin with this? Because right now we're giving a lot of medium slash advanced tips for networking. But what if people are like, yeah, that's great, Susan and Jordan. I am the guy who struggles to get into the door without shaking and have to go to the bar for three gin and tonics before I can start introducing myself. Where, what's the baby step that these people can take to start to get better at putting themselves out there meeting strangers because yeah it's great to say talk to strangers it's another thing to do it and put it into practice and make it a habit okay first of all the one thing that i would say about people who are shy that in this i've just been reading a lot in the comparison with introverts shy people want to socialize so we have a whole chapter on you know the seven step and i said it was you know a 12 step but i gave a reduced rate so it's only seven step i think the shy people often observe outgoing people, see what they do, and use them as role models. I think when we're prepared, when we know how we're going to introduce us ourselves, and let me give three tips. This is, you know, the Susan Rowan. Mm -hmm. This is what I do in all my talks. When you go to introduce yourself, it's not the upchucking of your elevator pitch. Right. And that's the visual that can go out of your head in a second. It's Number one, it's not 30 seconds. It's seven to nine seconds. It's a pleasantry. It's keyed to the event, how you're going to introduce yourself at a business event may be different than at a charity event. And the third one is my friend Patricia Fripp, who's an executive speech coach, said to me, Rowan, tell them to not give their title. Give the benefit of what you do if it's about business because that helps start a conversation. So the shy person is prepared. Shy people never walk into a, an event that they don't know what's going on. They'll read the paper, have some prepared items, have your prepared self-introduction. I've said this any number of times. If I had a choice of being in a room full of people that are outgoing or people who thought of themselves as shy, I'd pick shy people. Sure, yeah. They listen, they pay attention, their eyes aren't over your shoulder to see who else is in the right, room. Right, right. The bigger, better deal? Yes. And just because a person's a little shy doesn't mean they aren't interesting, fun, funny, smart, and have great connections and are willing to be generous with their connections. So for the shy person, um, read the paper, prepare, come with a few comments, and 
go there, have Susan Rowan on your left shoulder saying, hey, you're an interesting person. People would be glad to meet you, but why don't you just go over to someone standing alone and make them feel comfortable? Shy people are very good at making people feel at home. Sure. But one more tip from shy people that we I share in the book, and I want to share it now. Shy people generally go to an event within 15 minutes of the start time. It's very hard to walk into a room an hour later with a grand entrance with when everyone's in groups. So if you think of yourself as shy, go on time or within 15 minutes because then the room comes in and has to work you. <clears throat> that makes perfect sense, actually. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's funny because shy people often think they have nothing to offer, but it's a mindset thing. No, everyone has something to offer. You know, I know people, and I've done this for a long time because of networking. I don't have a network. Really? Did you go to school with one? Do you live in a neighborhood with one? Did you go to camp with one? Aren't you related to one? You have your cousins, but not just your cousins, but your cousins' cousins on the other side. So we all have huge networks. We've got the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. So really, that's part of the thing that we need to know is that we all have networks. We all have something interesting. We all have something to offer. Sometimes I've done this in some of my programs is, you know what? Instead of asking people for constructive criticism, which I know a couple people said that's a self-canceling phrase because people <laughs> give you cons- usually going, oh, my heart's hurting. Can you stop talking about that? Here's what you do. Say to people, you know, I was listening to Art of Charm, and one of the things they advised this woman, Susan Rowan and Jordan, ask people, hey, what would you say are my best qualities? What do I do that's interesting, correct, fun, important, supportive? Start asking for positive feedback only, and then write down every compliment. And every time you go to an event, read that list. That's excellent. That's really good. Because then, of course, it reinforces that positive mindset. Well, and that's what we want. Now, by the way, I, not, <laughs> not that I'm always positive. There's an old saying. I think it was Alice Roosevelt Longworth said, if you have nothing nice to say, sit by me. You know, but the truth is we don't want to be known as the person who is bad-mouthing. We want to go, and not to be the life of the party. Oh, I just made this up. But to be lively at a party. I see what you did there. Yeah, that's funny. Well, you know, it's sort of that Midwest. Let me see if I can make a pun or alliteration. No, be be lively. Be be interested. You know, everyone says to me, "Okay, how could I be interesting?" Well, there's a lot of ways. But you know what people remember? The person who is interested. Listen, ask questions. And by the way, when people and everyone loves Dale Carnegie, so I'm going to disabuse you of his perfection when I say he did a disservice when he said only ask questions, get people to talk about themselves, their favorite subject. Don't always ask questions. You get to that fifth question that you've asked me. I'm from Chicago. I'm looking at you going, what's it to you? What do you want all this information about me? You have to bring something to the banquet of banter. Interesting. The banquet of banter. I haven't heard that before. I made it up. No, oh, that's, wow. in, you know you what, that's in my book, What Do I Say Next? Because uh, I'm not a cook, but I thought... What would be a recipe for conversation? You know, a dollop of humor, a pinch of practicality, etc. But it is. The banquet of banter is a potluck. You wouldn't go to a potluck and not bring 
a bottle of something, a dish of something, a dessert. Well, why would you go to an event and not have something to bring to share? And that might be conversation, stories, information, and a little gossip. Excellent. Thanks so much. Is there anything you want to leave us with? No, just want to leave you with, you know what? Charming people make other people comfortable with them. And if you do that, the world is your oyster. And go to every event. RSVP, say yes, and show up. Introduce people around. Have a good time. And remember, it's instead of how to work a room, it's being nice in a room. Excellent. Thanks so much, Susan Rowan. So what else is on your agenda? I know you speak around the country and you do all kinds of events. Where are you off to next? Well, I'm off to Chicago, which I call the old country because I'm from there. (laughs) I'm off to Chicago. I know it's going to end up with deep dish pizza and at least one Vienna hot dog. But I speak around the country. I'm speaking. I'm doing still book events throughout the Bay Area and a couple other places. And I'll be speaking here at the um, uh, wonderful August group, the Commonwealth Club, and for some of my private clients as well. So, yes, I... You can hire me. I can speak and teach your company in how to work a room, mingle, schmooze, and network. Excellent. Thanks so much. How to work a room. Of course, the book will be linked up in the show notes as will Susan's website and uh, bio as well, which is lengthy. And that's why I didn't go into it on the show, but she sells herself. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really like the advice on how to prepare for the event start and maintain conversations as well as how to graciously exit conversations that I seem to get sucked into regularly. Of course, following up is key and everybody who networks well knows how to do that. I really did like the how to create your own luck, talking to strangers, not burning bridges, saying yes when you want to say no, and being a relationship matchmaker, I think are all really good key points. And so I hope you guys took away some practical advice as well as some old tried and true networking how-tos because I think that even though some of this might seem basic for some of you, I think for a lot of us, it never hurts to go over the fundamentals again. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Don't forget to pick up her book. It is worthwhile. How to Work a Room, linked up in the show notes. And the audio version is on Audible. And if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash AOC, you can get it for free if you sign up with Audible and you search for How to Work a Room. She reads it herself, so of course it's got lots of character. Enjoy. Special thanks to you guys for listening. Show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let me know. Jordan H at theartofcharm.com. And of course, boot camp details there as well. Go ahead and email or call me. Honestly, that's the best way to get in touch. And I'll give you everything you need to know about our programs here in L.A. If you guys are listening but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, go ahead and make the change there. Because getting your shows delivered free to your phone or computer while you sleep is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. Just go to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and search for The Art of Charm. That's it. And if you guys want to write us a nice review, we'll love you forever there as well because it helps other people find us, and it's really important to keep our show ranks up. So tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.